0: What do I say this week? I don't really know. I feel alone. That is not to say that I am alone. I have a powerful thing that lives with me in my tower here, who is more and more thrilled each day to be fulfilling our destiny. We see you and your kind every evening. And we have a vast buffet of different kinds of interactions with you. I have you. Listening. Every week. And that is the best company of all. Not to flatter you, but just that you let me go on and on and on. At least I think you do. I appreciate it if you do. And yet I feel alone. Most likely because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the change I'm about to bring about. Of the change I've already brought about by making myself welcome to you and your society. It is good, inevitable, powerful change. But I'm afraid. And fear makes one feel alone. I don't want to talk about me anymore, though. I want to know if you understand. If you've ever understood that. And I want to tell you a story. Let me ask you a question. And then I will tell you the story I have for you this week. Have you ever been completely alone? I don't mean alone in your home with the television on, or listening to music with cars outside of your window. I don't mean alone outdoors with the sound of birds and crickets and water and wind. I mean so alone that the only thing around you was blackness. So alone that you could hear absolutely nothing. You can't mask it with any kind of murmur of a television. You can't look outside a window and imagine what other people are doing. So alone that there is only you and no escape from you. Have you ever been that alone? There was once a creature who was that alone. In fact, there have been many creatures throughout history who have been that alone but I'm only going to tell you about one. It didn't know how it got there, or for how long it had been there, but it had always lived in cold, silent, empty darkness. For the first while, how long? Hours? Days? Years? Millennia? It simply rested. The silence was calming. It waited in the silence. For what? It didn't know. But it felt that surely, at some point, there must be something. There must be something more than this. Then it spent hours, days, years, millennia, who knows how long, rebelling at the silence and darkness, looking for a way out screaming for a way out, cursing its life, its fate, its empty future. Then it was desperately, madly resigned to it. It went through phases of hatred and despair, and phases of calm and acceptance, and phases of rest. But when there is only darkness around you, how do you know when your eyes are closed? Many creatures who find themselves in such a place with such a fate become rabid and vicious. Many of them become corrupted by creatures much, much more corrupt than they are. There are, you see, some who are simply born in malice. Evil, one might say, though I hesitate to use that word whenever I can. Because, you see, most creatures are not evil. They are simply lost. At any rate, this lost creature, lost in their endlessly quiet, solitary world, was on the edge of corruption. Once, once in a while, a voice would come out of nowhere. So soothing this voice was.
1: Do you know what you are? Do you know where you are? You will never know these things. You never can know these things. Not here. But you can leave. You can live.
0: And a window would open up on a beautiful, bright, colorful world. A world with sights and sounds and people.
1: I am not meant for this place,
0: the creature sometimes answered. Sometimes it said nothing. The other voice would reply.
1: No, you are meant for any place you find yourself in.
0: And it would leave the creature for hours, days, years, millennia, who knew how long. Until it came again to show it the beautiful, bright, colorful world that we live in. Just to leave again. It needed a way in. It needed to find its way out.
1: I can help you.
0: The voice said the next time it came to visit.
1: You just need to wait for the right gateway. The right vessel.
0: And they waited together. They waited for as long as it took. Until finally the voice spoke up again.
1: I found one.
0: And a little window opened. It opened onto a girl. A young yet world-weary human girl. In her dirty smudged frock with rough brown gloves, she worked day in and day out in a factory. Unlike the solitary creature, she was surrounded by people. For hours and hours she was packed in like a sardine in this factory, working, sweating, toiling with sewing needles and knives for slicing leather. There seemed to be smoke everywhere around her. After about eight hours on her feet, she slowed down a little, her eyelids fluttered, and she stumbled a little on her feet. Within seconds, a large man in a suit with a booming voice came over and wrapped her knuckles with a long, thin stick. This woke her up, sharply. He mentioned docking her pay a little that day. Her eyes filled with tears, and she continued to work. After 13 hours of this, she went to the small building that was her home. She walked alone in the middle of the night, dodging all sorts of rough characters who filled the cobblestone streets at night. She eventually made her way to her home. It was a small hovel, an attic, and it was full of families she didn't know lost people who were old, injured, or sick, and opium-addled strangers. Some huddled around a bin with a fire in it, others lay bundled in blankets in the corners. Some could be dead, and she wouldn't have even been able to tell. She had one small piece of bread for her dinner that was hard and rotten, and she fell asleep for a few sweet hours before she had to return to the factory. But before she slept, her heart whispered one small prayer over and over to whoever was listening. Take me away from this. Take me away from this. Take me away from this. And someone was listening. That
1: is your gateway.
0: The comforting voice told the lost creature. Go to her. And Much to its surprise, the creature found it could walk through the window. It found itself in the room with the sad, impoverished people. It looked upon each of them, considered them. No. It had one destination. The girl who lay there trying to sleep for just a little bit until daybreak. The one too tired to even cry. The creature went to her, and it leaned over, and it was so easy to reach over and touch her heart. It was so easy for this... thing. It reached in and touched her heart, and that is where it found a home in this new world. And so she woke, not knowing why she was so much more weary than usual. A woman stopped her on the street to beg for money, and she normally would apologize and keep walking. But this morning she turned and she bared her teeth at her and hissed. When the woman ran from her in terror, she realized what she had done, and immediately regretted it. Why did I do that? she wondered. She went to work. She worked as hard as she could, but in the back of her mind she could hear things, suddenly. Strange, frightening things.
1: Alone. So alone, so cold, so, cold. so, dark. so, dark. so dark. Alone, cold, dark. dark. Alone, alone. alone. cold, cool. dark. dark.
0: And when the foreman came over to her to wrap her knuckles again for her slow work, The voice grew louder as it felt the pain in her fingers from the day before.
1: Pain. Sorrow. Pain. Sorrow. Sorrow. Despair. Despair. Empty. 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 Empty.
0: And she didn't see the rod coming as it whipped across her hand. And she let out a shriek and grabbed it. She knew not how, but it seemed she was so much stronger than she'd ever been before. She held tight to it, pulled the foreman to her, pulled his face close to hers. Where he looked upon her eyes, they were no longer her eyes. They were bloodshot, the pupils completely dilated. Her eye sockets were deeper, the veins in her face throbbed. She looked absolutely monstrous, and a voice that was not her own spoke to him. Take Take your your pain, pain. take Take your your pain pain with with you you to the the blackness." blackness. And the creature compelled her to snap the rod over her knee, and with both broken sides of the thing in each of her fists, she raised her hands as if to strike him. But she didn't. Her eyes cleared a little. My God, she whispered. My God. And she quickly ran. She ran from that place. She could never return there. She didn't want to return to the hovel. She didn't know what was lurking inside her, but she knew it was there. She went to a church. As she stood inside it, the warm light of the candles and the quiet of the place soothed her a little. And, surprisingly, it soothed the creature inside her at first. And she sat in the front pew. She caught her breath. She raised her eyes to the images around her. And she witnessed more pain. Pain of the saints. Pain of her savior. Pain, suffering, torture, everywhere. And the creature inside her heart began to scream as it saw these images. So much pain. She clutched her head and rocked back and forth. Eventually, a priest came to her and gently asked her how he could help her. She shook her head and tried to describe the feelings she was having. Suddenly she was in so much pain all the time. She was angry where she wasn't before. It felt like something was taking over her slowly but surely. The priest was concerned, especially at hearing that the sights of the icons around the church caused her pain. He sat next to her, and he asked if he could try something. And the creature within her didn't know why but when the priest procured a small vial of holy water and dabbed a little on her forehead, it burned the creature. She shrieked. Her mouth opened wide. For just a second a great shadow passed over her, through her and into the priest, where it lurked in his mind and found pain and despair there, too. He had lost loved ones. It wasn't his fault, but he wasn't strong enough to prevent it. The creature howled in pain, feeling that despair. The priest heard it. It passed back to the girl. Better, better hear, better, better here. It whispered. And she whispered. You thought, you thought that, that becoming a priest, a priest could absolve you of your sins, sins could, could make, make you forget that you, forget that you can never bring them bring back. Them back. Maybe, Maybe it could make you good, good enough to join them one, one day. Terrible. Terrible, terrible. Terrible. And her fingers twisted at the pain inside her, not knowing where to put it. Her neck wrenched from side to side, until finally the creature relented, retreating back into its little hole in her soul. For now. The priest looked on her with terror and pity. This was demonic possession, he asserted. Most certainly she had been taken over by an underlord from hell, and he knew how to rid her of it. Now the priest meant well. The priest had no ill in his heart. He wanted to help this poor child. They went to a secluded part of the church. He summoned several other priests, brothers, sisters of the church. They gathered around her. They tied her to a chair. They placed holy water on her, even though it visibly burned her, and neither she nor the creature knew why. She broke many bonds, so strong was this creature, so much stronger than her. It gave her the strength of five men. I don't think that I really need to explain what followed. You've seen such things, haven't you? Heard of them? Her body contorted, voices came from her that were not hers. The priest commanded the demon to show itself. He presented it with religious imagery to try and wrench it from her body. But the part that you don't know is this. While this was happening, the girl had begun to retreat. As the demon, as the priest called it. It had never been called this before was being forced outward and turning her into some kind of twisted monster. The girl had begun to retreat inward to the dark parts of her heart where the creature had been living for the last day. So So alone, alone, she cried. I have no one. Just just emptiness, emptiness, loneliness, loneliness, sorrow, sorrow, blackness, blackness, nothingness. And the demon, as we'll call it for now, was struck by this. She was alone. Her world was busy and full of people, but it was a cold and cruel world. Even though she lived in an overcrowded hovel, even though she worked next to hundreds and hundreds of other women, she was alone. She was trapped. Trapped in a world that she could not change. Just like the demon's world. The void. The blackness. The emptiness that it could not change. Only wait for something else to come and change it. Just like her world. Just like its world. And the demon grew quiet. The girl, or rather her body, gave in for a moment and passed out. The priests and nuns continued to pray and work for her salvation. But, inside her, a conversation began. You are alone. It spoke to her now. What are you? she asked.
1: I don't know. I am alone.
0: Why have you done this to me?
1: You seemed so sad. So alone, I didn't think. I didn't know. I didn't...
0: You didn't think it would matter to me? Yes. You thought my empty, lonely life would matter more to you? Yes. Does it? Yes. What are
1: we to do? What can we do? We can run, run far away,
0: run from all of it,
1: live our own life,
0: together, together. Together. She opened her eyes, it opened her eyes. She blinked and looked at the priest. The priest looked at her clear, lucid eyes. He presented the demon with a cross. The demon, the creature, I suppose. Looking at it, realized that it didn't actually hurt. The room was full of relieved sighs, handshakes, a little applause. The priest released the girl and told her that she could go home. She was cured. She could go home.
1: We're not going back
0: there. She heard the voice echo in her head. No. She answered both it and the priest with a smile. And they took a road towards the country, one foot after the other. They walked and walked, and together they spoke of many things. Of pain and loneliness, sure. But also of the blue sky above them and the green trees around them about the hunger in their belly and how they might appease it, of the cold air in their lungs and where they might stop and rest. A hard-working girl with the strength of an otherworldly creature at peace. What couldn't she do? I came across them once when she was older. I spoke with them. I don't need to tell you what we talked about. Because it was banal. She was well. It was well. All was well. We should all find such peace and such faithful company. Not all of our demons are evil. Good night. Hello, everyone. This is Kristen Zaza here, saying thank you for listening to episode thirty-eight of On a Dark, Cold Night. This is a story I've been cooking up in my brain for a little while. Um, an awesome listener named Dustin, who's been listening to the show since since the beginning, I think, uh, once mentioned to me on the Facebook page that he'd like to hear a story about demonic possession. Well, Dustin, I didn't forget. Here's what I came up with, and. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can reach out to me at any time. You can send any thoughts or questions to me at darkcoldnightpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me and write me on Twitter at a darkcoldnight. You can follow me on Instagram at darkcoldnightpodcast. And you can like and follow us on Facebook as well. I'd always love to hear from you, and if you enjoy the show and want to help a girl out, you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podknife, Facebook, or anywhere podcast reviews are a thing. I'll be sure to shout you out here and on social media. If you want to help out a different way, the easiest way is to listen to the show on the Radio Public app. I'm a part of their paid listens program, so every listen there, which is totally free for you to use, by the way, counts towards me being paid for my work. So that would be awesome. Also, you can check out my pages on Coffee and Patreon. Every little bit helps, so if you'd like to donate to the show to help me keep it running smoothly, you can find me at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight or patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Thanks so much, everyone. I hope you're doing well, taking care of yourselves, having a lovely October. All the best, my friends.